Okay, everybody, time for a new life rhythm for you. It is the uh, the opening night for the Stanley Cup playoffs, four games on the go, and I do really have to say thank you so much for some really beautiful time staggers here. 7 o'clock Eastern, it's the Islanders and the Carolina Hurricanes. News there, Rod Brindamore saying anti-ranta, not Frederick Anderson, gets a start for the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll see Matthew Barzal again. Let's not forget just how good the Islanders were just before Matthew Barzal got injured. Um, back on February the 18th, it's been a while. 7.30, so 30 minutes later, we get to see the Florida Panthers and the Boston Bruins. A little first period overlap, but that's fine. <sighs> the Alex Lyon, Linus Allmark show here. There is something going through the Boston Bruins, uh, an illness or something. Forbert will play, by the way. Krejci will play. Bergeron, a game-time decision. And if you know anything about Patrice Bergeron and um, the nature of things that he's played through throughout the playoffs, even going back to that Philadelphia series and the Randy Jones hits, um, if you're betting, I'm guessing Patrice Bergeron is in this one. Uh, Florida Panthers, Boston Bruins, Minnesota, and Dallas. That one gets underway at 9.30. Real nice. Joel Eriksson-Eck, we're watching you uh, to see what happens there. The Los Angeles Kings and the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, beginning of the season, everyone, hands up. Who said, yeah, you know what? The Kings are going to face the Oilers again, and the goaltenders are going to be, check notes, Jonas Corposalo and Stuart Skinner. Well, there we are. Now, this will be the lion's share of the program today over the next couple of hours, but also... Uh, we'll have a look back on the weekend that was, namely with uh, coaching firings, dismissals, and some more information on situations involving the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, the Washington Capitals say goodbye to Peter Laviolette. Are they saying goodbye to the rest of their Russians as well, not named Ovechkin? Uh, we'll talk about the Anaheim Ducks as well. Some names starting to pop up and emerge a little bit there in their coaching search. And uh, the Columbus decision to say goodbye to Brad Larson. In the meantime... Uh, news this morning out of the nation's capital, Pierre Dorian, general manager of the Ottawa Senators, addressing the media. Uh, amongst other things, he talked about how Cam Talbot will not be back next season, uh, may need to trade for a goaltender. There are some free agents uh, available. We'll get to that in a couple of moments. But I wanted to play something before we get to Elliot Friedman here in a couple of moments. Uh, from Pierre Dorian, the GM of the Ottawa Senators, who, by the way, in this press conference this morning, came up a little bit brief on giving the ringing endorsement uh, for the future of DJ Smith with the Ottawa Senators. Nonetheless, let's hear Pierre Dorian, GM of the Ottawa Senators, kick off the show. Obviously, we're going to have new owners. We don't know exactly when they'll take over. I think Gary Bettman said they want to get it right. You know what? It's been a lot of fun for me going through this process, getting the chance to talk with multiple groups, uh, not many GMs get a chance to do this. And, you know, it's been presented our plan from the start, where we're going, where we think we'll be. I have a contract in place. I think this team is headed in the right direction. We don't have one bad contract. That's an interesting statement. Um, you may make the argument because they got rid of the Nikita Zaitsev deal, but nonetheless, um, there's a few things in that uh, press conference this morning from Pierre Dorian, and we'll take a quick break and get to Elliot in a second. One, uh, there is the DJ Smith question. There's also the Pierre Dorian question as well, and I think one of the reasons why uh, Pierre Dorian was quick to point out how they don't have any bad contracts and they're poised for great things. And he mentioned that Tim Stutzela is poised to be a top five, top ten player in the NHL. This really was a breakthrough and breakout season for the uh, for the German center for the Ottawa Senators. Um, you know, you can think part of that is as well. 
shining up the resume or promoting the resume here that Pierre Dorian has, either for the incoming owner or perhaps for other organizations that are currently looking for a general manager or other organizations that may soon be looking for a new general manager. Uh, talked about tryouts for players like Derek Broussard. Um, said now he's a big fan of analytics. Talked about Alex Debrinkit as well under contract for one more year with the qualifying offer situation. After that, if he wants to stay, they can work out a deal. And when the question turned to Alex Formanson, he essentially said, no comment. There is an NHL investigation underway. So lots of talk today about uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Day one should be an absolute banger. It always is. The first round, uh, you can make the argument, is always the most fun uh, outside of watching that final team uh, win and hoist Lord Stanley's mug. Uh, that'll be the balance of the program, but lots to get to as well. Information off the ice as well. Pittsburgh, Washington, Anaheim, Columbus, and Ottawa this morning enters the chat. Welcome to the Jeff Merrick Show. Let's get going. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And before uh, we get to Elliot Friedman here, I want to remind you, bottom of the hour, Andrew Raycroft, Bruins analyst, will be aboard. I'm guessing he's not one of the ones that are ill. Uh, Aaron Portsline covers the Columbus Blue Jackets for the Athletic. He'll stop by to talk about their search, Columbus's search, rather, uh, for a new head coach and what the future is for that organization and general manager Yarmo Kekalainen and Corey Lavalette of the uh, North Star Journal and the Athletic on the Carolina Hurricanes, who today, Rod Brindamore announced, Antti Ranta will get the start for Game 1. Uh, Elliot Friedman aboard, as always, from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, do you have the adequate amount of rest already, Elliot? Because, you know, for the next two months, uh, you will be the man that sleep forgot. Sleep is for the weak, Jeff. We all know that. Sleep is for the weak. <laughs> well, count me as weak then, because I do love my sleep. Uh, yeah, but know, nonetheless, this funny, is not like the I, time I, of someone, the year. <laughs> someone sent me an article uh, the other day that uh, there was a there was a college football coach. He was at Kansas State. His name was Bill Snyder, and uh, he once saw a hypnotist because he was trying to see if he could uh, like learn how to do more work. So he tr- wanted to like avoid sleep. And they said, do you ever uh, try this? And I'm like, I may be stupid, but I'm not that stupid. <laughs> I've always wondered if just like uh, a number of short naps will make up for, like if every hour you nap for 10 minutes, if that'll uh, sort of, no. uh, that accumulation will actually help your process uh, as opposed to no, just getting it, a good, you know, eight hours. No, it, it doesn't because it's all about, I've learned way too much of this over the years. It's all about like REM sleep. So it's like how deep you get into it. So if you do that, it's it's not going to be effective. The uh, the book that I advise everyone to read is called Why We Sleep. It's by uh, Dr. Matthew Walker. He's done a number of talks you can watch online as well. And his book is outstanding. And actually, to be honest with you, Elliot, it scared me into making eight hours mandatory. Like I'm frightened for my health now if I don't get eight hours sleep. But at this time of the year... No one is getting yeah, eight hours you're, of sleep you're outside not getting me. That. Good luck with that. Yeah, no. Yeah, that that's not going to happen. Uh, here we go. Los Angeles, Edmonton, triple overtime, game one. Boom. Say goodbye to sleep. Uh, I want to get to the games uh, in a couple of moments, but um, the latest bit of news, Pierre Dorian, general manager of the Ottawa Senators, our press conference today, and a number of headlines coming out of it. 
you know, he put the uh, he put the shine on their salary cap situation. He mentioned that Cam Talbot will not be back. Um, used about maybe needing to go out and trade uh, for a netminder. There are some available on the free agent market this off season as well. Uh, but I think the one thing that people have keyed in on most is the future of DJ Smith. No, not exactly the uh, ringing endorsement of DJ is definitely coming back next season. What did you take out of the, the Dorian presser this morning? Well, the one thing that I, I think that actually is probably the biggest news is he confirmed what I think a lot of people have kind of heard about Alex Dabrinkit, which is that they yep. have told him they want to sign him long term, but they need to know an answer by the draft. And I believe that the Brinkett is going to honor that timetable that he is going to, that, uh, uh, and, and I think, I think they kind of talked about it. Um, uh, but, uh, I think that's the message the Sanders gave him. Uh, I think that he respects how they feel about it. And, uh, I think that one way or another, the Senators are going to know if the Brinkett's going to be a long time Ottawaan, uh, before the draft. So, that, I think, is probably the, the biggest thing that, that came out of it. Um, you know, Jeff, I, I think the, the, the other thing here, too, is, as you mentioned, uh, DJ Smith, and, and I think a lot of those players really like Smith. Um, it's, yep. And, you know, the one thing here is, I just think coming down to it, um, you know, what's the timeline for ownership? Like, you know, that's, that's one of the things here is that does, does, the, does the new ownership want to make this decision? And I think that's as much about part of the conversation as, as anything else is. Mm-hmm. Like, if you make a coaching change, then you're, make, then you're giving whoever comes in probably three years, right? Does your new ownership yep. want that? So I think that's one of the questions that has to be dealt with here. I'll tell you something else. The thing I was really hang on. That's wondering. a hang on. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. Hang on one second. That's a really tough spot for DJ Smith. That's a yes. really awful spot for DJ. And I know he's going to be part of Andre Tournier's staff for the World Championships. But now we, we talked on the last podcast. And we we talked on this radio show last week as well, Elliot, about the humane thing to do is if that person's not going to be your coach or if that manager's not going to be your manager, the minute your season is over, make that decision so they have a chance to find work. You remember how, I mean, we all hated the way that Bob Bugner was treated last year. That was a real tough one late in the summer and Bob Bugner gets, uh, gets gong. That's, and all the other jobs have been, had been taken by that point. This is a really tough situation for DJ Smith. If you're waiting on, owners, on new ownership to make this decision and they end up going the dismissed DJ Smith route, that's tough because as the music you know, slows down and, and starts to whisper, chairs are going to be taken. That's a really hard spot for DJ Smith to be in. Yeah, it is. I, I agree with that. Like, like I was just watching like John Hines uh John Hines today, I was watching that media conference, you know, Barry Trott, because mm-hmm. he's got another year left, and Barry Trott says, well, I, I still want to talk to him first and see what his plans are. I think the, the one thing is here, like, I'm with you. Like, make these decisions quick. <laughs> like, if you're going to go on, if you're going to move on, let someone find another opportunity out there. You know, the other thing, too, is, you know, mm-hmm. Jeff, there's a lot of coaches going into the last year, um, of their deals, I think it's seven. Um, you know, Brad Larson was, but they, they made their decision. Um, you know, like for one thing, 
like someone reminded me when, when Barry Trotz was let go in New York, you know, Lou Lamorello, he's a person who believes you don't go into your last year. Like you, you, like at that point, I'm making a decision. You're either staying or you're not. And, um, you know, I, I generally think that's, I generally think that's a pretty good rule. And if you take a look at what's been going on out here with a lot of these coaches, look how many coaches have been extended now before they go into their last year. I think a lot of teams do that now because they don't like that kind of thing hanging over them. Um, Anything else notable for you from the, uh, the Dorian? Let me ask you about this. So, I'm watching this and and listening along and saying to myself because Pierre Dorian is providing a very uh, positive and upbeat update on a team that although they didn't qualify for the playoffs took the next step and talked about Tim Stutzla top five top ten soon in the NHL and we don't have a bad contract on the books like it's a real like just to be blunt he put a real shine on himself <laughs> during this press conference. Uh, is that for new ownership or ownership elsewhere, you think? Or maybe both. In terms of what are you thinking? He's sort of, he, he's he's reminding everybody of the good work that he's done here. And I'm not saying oh, that snidely. Like, I yeah. think Pierre Dorian's done a lot of good, he's done a lot of good work for the Ottawa mm-hmm. Senators. And he's put together a team that we all suspect is on the horizon of, you know, returning as a legitimate and consistent playoff contender for a number of years we just so seldom hear general managers pat themselves on on the back like that after they don't qualify for the playoffs well look like i think i think that's a lot of you're selling yourself to your new overlords right totally that that, that's what i think that is like i like i like i think if uh you know like you you have to you have to sell it like Like, that's the thing. Like, when it comes to, like, one of the things that happens with these new ownership groups is, like, people in the hockey world, they reach out to them. Like, okay, who's your hockey person? Who's your hockey person? And sometimes the toughest thing that um, you you can be is the the incumbent. Because if someone buys the team and they've already got a hockey person connected to them, then that either means you're out or you really have to impress that person. So I think that's kind of what it is. Like, I like, look like Jeff, like in our business, every time a new person comes in, there's always change. And that's no different than anywhere else in the world. I'll I'll tell you one thing. Like Mm. I'd be curious about this, Jeff. He's talking about trading for a goalie. You know who I was thinking about? No, shoot. John Gibson. It's a big ticket, a lot of terms. I was thinking more along the lines of free agent shopping. I know he mentioned making now, a trade. Now, he said mentioned making a trade. Now, I'll tell you. Tra- like tra- it, Trade specifically, but there, there, there are goalies on the market, whether it's, you know, Varlamov or... Uh, Tristan Jari or Corpusalo or or Quick, like there are goaltenders available this summer. Yeah, there there definitely are. There's no question about that. And the biggest thing about Gibson is, could you even make that trade before? Like you said, the right thing, <laughs> and like it's a big ticket. Could you even make that trade yeah. without knowing who your new owners are going to be? Because that is like, that's yeah. one of the things here. Like during the season, I heard that when they were talking about potential trades 
Like, you know, they, they knew they had some room to make moves, but they didn't know how much. But then again, they got Chikrin. Although Chikrin's not a huge ticket, it's, you know, it's still yeah. some term. But that, that is the one name that kind of jumped in my head. You know, John, John Gibson, I think, wants to go to a better situation. Like, Anaheim's not going to win anytime soon. So, and I think he really wants to have a chance to win. That's a guy I kind of wondered about for Ottawa, depending on how they felt. So let me uh, let me let me detour away from Ottawa here, and I swear we're going to get to the games tonight. Just a couple of things briefly. Uh, you mentioned the Anaheim Ducks and, and John Gibson. Um, their coaching search begins. Um, one name that someone whispered to me over the weekend was watch Todd Nelson. Mm-hmm. Watch. Todd Nelson maybe in this space, which would which would make some sense. Uh, what do you make of the Anaheim coaching search right now? Well, I think it's going to be, like, it, it's pretty obvious to me. You know, first of all, I, I think, and we talked about this in the pod yesterday, I think they have to get some defensemen there. They're, like, you know, yeah. I, I just think, like you said, they've got some prospects coming, but they're not there. And they do. Anaheim gave up a record amount of shots this year, and Verbeek said that, they weren't uh, hard enough to play against. You know, the one thing I think they need to do there is they have to bolster their blue line and, and, and get some, uh, some, some guys with shorter terms that can play. And I think that's important. But I, I, think, I think whoever goes there, Jeff, is going to be someone who can develop players and someone who can play like a hard, as hard a game as you can play at this point in the NHL existence of the 21st century. But it's got to be somebody like Todd Nelson is coaching the AHL for a long time and at the NHL level for a yep. long time. Like he knows about developing players. Like, so like, I mean, that, that yep. fits. Like, I think it's going to be somebody who can develop and, and, and have his team play hard. Like, you know, the name I mentioned on the pod yesterday was, was, was Greg Cronin. Like, again, he's a guy who in yep. Colorado, he develops players and they play hard. Like, I think it's going to be somebody like that. Somebody who knows how to make young players better and somebody who says, we're, go- we're going to compete. I don't care what we do. We're going to compete. You know, I think the thing is there is that everybody, like anyone who goes in and takes that job knows is going in with eyes wide open. Like, it's going to be a couple of years until you win anything. But at least. But... <laughs> I think the thing Verbeek has to do is Verbeek has to he has to put some some grease on that roster. Like he he said we weren't competitive. You know a lot of that is because of the way the roster was. Yeah. Uh real quick I want to talk to Aaron Portsline about this a little bit more later on Elliot but um Brad Larson dismissed over the weekend as head coach of Columbus. Um, yeah. Given what's happened with the Blue Jackets, given what's happened, you know, and, and the players that Yarmo Kekalainen has brought in, and I know they got to, like, line A's, they, they have to somehow get to line A. They have to somehow get to Elvis Merzlikens uh, as well. Is this the most important hire of Yarmo Kekalainen's tenure as GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets? Well, I think so. Like, he has to get it right, right, Jeff? Like, I, I don't see a situation oh, yeah. where... Like, like, look, like, I, I, like, he's been there a long time. He's had a long run, and, uh, and but, like, I think the time is now. Like, 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 I just think that this year was so bad for them 
that even the people who still have jobs there, they're on notice. They know that they can't have another year like that. So you've got to get this right. And, you know, like I think that the one thing Columbus has, there was a couple things they have. Number one, unlike Anaheim and Chicago, they're going to try to win games. So you, you know that the goal is not to just collect picks for the next three years. The other thing, too, is they really have some talented players there. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think that that's, that's a big one. Um, you know, the, I, and I think they want to, they're going to add another talented player and they want to win. And like, I've, I've had a couple of people tell me there's going to be interest in that job there. And because they think that this is a team that should be a lot better than it was. And I'll say this too. The other thing I, I said, someone said to me is, the goaltending hire is probably as big as the coaching hire is. Like, like you know, like Merzlikens mm. is signed to a big deal. You know, you have yep. to find somebody who can make that work. I'm curious who that person's going to be, but you have to find someone to make that work. All right, uh, to the games tonight. Uh, Islanders, Carolina, Florida, Boston, Minnesota, Dallas. Let's start with the late one, though. 10 o'clock Eastern, it is the Los Angeles Kings and the Edmonton Oilers, Corpusalo versus Skinner. Um, Connor McDavid versus, I don't know, Mikey Anderson, <laughs> we've talked about <laughs> before. Um, like, I think Edmonton ultimately wins this series. I don't think it's going to be a, I don't think it's going to be a romp. Uh, nope. Anse Kopitar had a really, really nice season, albeit a very quiet, good season for the Los Angeles Kings. I thought Adrian Kempe had a really nice season uh, for the Los Angeles Kings as well. Some other younger players emerged. They have a really good two-way team. Like you look at the the you look at the, right right down the middle, and it screams, you know, that this is a complete two-way team. Uh, how do you see this one playing out, and what do you look for in Game One? And man, does Connor McDavid ever look possessed? Well, like first of all, it's an underrated great rivalry too. Like those two teams really don't like each other, so I think that adds a whole other level. Um, you know, like I, I, like Rory Boylan, uh, the editor at Sportsnet CA, he forces me at gunpoint to do these predictions, and uh, like I took Edmonton, I took Edmonton to win the cup. Um, I, I can't, I, I do not feel hugely confident in any of the picks I made. Like I could see myself going two and six in the first round. And when I saw that everybody picked the Leafs in the first round, I was like, oh, my God, we're all doomed. Um, but Everyone you know, bet against think, Tampa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, think, I think Edmonton is, has a really good chance at, at, to win it all. I, I, I really like their team. Like, to me, I just think that Edmonton is, is one of the few teams, like, like, as long as they stick to their plan, like, there's a reason that they won – at the end of the season, the way they did, everybody knows their role. Everybody accepted their role and everybody understands what their job is to do. To me, the, the thing there is like last year, the Kings lost that series because they couldn't score. And Kevin Fiala was acquired yeah. to sort out that problem. He has to have a big series for the Kings. Like, you know, nobody's like, look, Edmonton's got the two nuclear weapons, but this is why Kevin Fiala was brought here. You don't have to compete with those two guys. It's not possible, but you have to score, and he's got to score.
Mm-hmm. You know, the um, we talk a lot about Connor and Leon, obviously, but it, it seemed as if the one player that once he was introduced into the lineup just made everything fit and you saw with the record which was which was outstanding Matthias Ekholm has complete I don't want to see change this team that's too strong it's not they were like a bad team and all of a sudden now we're talking about him as cup favorites but I don't know that there's a player that was moved around deadline who's had a bigger impact on their team than Matthias Ekholm that is and I know like they followed Nashville Edmonton followed Nashville around for weeks for weeks watching Ekholm. Um, yeah. I don't know if there was a better fit at trade deadline than Ekholm with the Oilers. You have a thought on what he does to that blue line. This is all, you know, afterwards, all the Carlson conversation and, you know, uh, defensemen that can get the puck up to the up to the neutral zone. Man, Ekholm does a whole lot of everything on that back end. Well, I, I think the other thing, too, is, is don't forget that one of the reasons they traded for him, like, over the years... One of the conversations I've had with Ken Holland is he talks about acquiring players who have a healthy history. Like when when you acquire players or you sign players long term, you know, are they available for you? And, you know, they could have done Chikrin. And ultimately, I think they did Ekholm over Chikrin because they like the fit better and they like the health better. And, you know, that's. And it's proven to be, at this time, a really smart decision. Um, you know, I, I just think, look, like, it's not only it's not only what Alcom does by himself. It's now look where everybody is and look at the impact it's had on Evan Bouchard. Like, I think that's the other thing yeah. that we're talking about here is, do you make your teammates better? And in this particular case, he's made Bouchard look a, a lot better. And... Um, you know, I, I think that that's, that's the big bonus about what Ekholm's done. It's not only what he brings, but it's how it allows you to slot everyone and the impact he has on everyone. And it's been huge. You know, the other player to watch in this one, I mean, this seems like, first of all, to your point, it's going to be a nasty series, good hockey hatred between these two, and that's just where a player like Zach Hyman likes it. Um, want to move off of that page and get to uh, to Boston and Florida quickly here. Lion and Allmark, uh, we'll see about Bergeron. But I'll be honest with you, Elliot, every time, like when you look at the history, it's spectacular. But every time that I hear in the playoffs, Patrice Bergeron is a game-time decision, I don't believe it. Do you? No, I always assume that he will show up. Um, you know, the one thing about Bergeron, yes. though, is that um, I do remember a game against Toronto in the playoffs where he didn't play. We just didn't know until the warm-up. They came out for the warm-up, and all of a sudden, wait, there's there's no 37 out there. What's what's going on here? So, you know, that's that's one thing I, I remember. But, you know, that, that flu or whatever they've got there, that's that's dangerous stuff, man, just in the sense of what it can do to a team. I always remember that, that one series with uh, Vancouver-St. Louis when Scott Mellenby's kids gave him the flu and the Blues were up 3-1 to yeah. one and everybody got it and they lost. Like the, the, At this time of year, that stuff is... That's, the wor- that's one of the worst things you can come down with. 
We'll see. I mean, that would be a, a a spectacular collapse if it is indeed this flu that ends up dismantling the Boston Bruins after a season the likes of what they just had. Uh, a couple of minutes. Uh, I want to get into the other ones quickly. Islanders in Carolina. Anti Ranta starts for the Carolina Hurricanes, to which Elliot yeah. Friedman says what? Well, I, you know, it's funny. Like someone said to me that yesterday they were talking about Carolina and they said the guy who should start game one is Ranta. They just didn't know if they would do it. And, you know, they did. You know, I was going over this this uh, the other day, Jeff. You take a look at um, you take a look at playoff history and you take a look at teams that got far with tandems. Well, like, mm-hmm. you know, Pittsburgh in 2017, Flurry 15, Murray 10, although Murray was hurt for a while. Yeah. And Philly got to the final twice, 2010, Leighton 14, Boucher 12, and 1997, yep. Snow 12, Hextall 7. Like, you don't see this very often, but there's a lot of teams this year that you can look at and say they're going to have multiple goalie situations, and Carolina is one of them. I, like, here's my question for you, Mr. Nerd Hockey Historian. Can you win a Stanley Cup huh. this way? You know what's going to happen, Elliot? What's that? What's going to happen is one team is one team is going to, and then everybody's going to do it. Like we've all been of the belief that you can't. Well, what's the old saying? If you uh, if you have two number one goalies, you don't have a number one, or something like that. The, the the cliche goes. I think it all depends situationally. I I really do. I mean, we've always believed that you need to have, you know, the 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 one lead horse that pulls away from the other netminder, but. Who's who's to say who's to say the Boston Bruins aren't going to win the Stanley Cup this year on the backs of both goaltenders, or if the Minnesota Wild do damage it's because of both of their goaltenders? Like history says, no. But you know what have we what have we you know talked about before? Tradition is just you know peer pressure from dead people. Someone's going to do it eventually, and then everyone else is going to try. Yes, I mean that, that's the thing. It's a copycat league, right? Like you. You, you, I mean, yeah. and again, you, you could argue that Pittsburgh did it in 2017, but that was because Murray was unavailable. And the moment that Flurry faltered, yeah, Mike Sullivan went well, back to the guy he won the Stanley Cup with. How about 2006 Carolina Hurricanes? Martin Gerber, Cam Ward. Well, that that's a bit of a different situation because the same thing happened in 2008 uh, in 2018, right? Philip Grubauer started the first two games for Washington, and then Holtby took over. That was one guy losing the job early and the other guy holding it for the rest of the playoffs. That wasn't a true tandem. I am prepared for your arguments, Merrick. <laughs> You've come prepared. That's uh, this is supposed to happen. Unusual. Yeah. Uh, real quick, unusual. Real quick. Unusual. Real real quick before we let you go. Speaking of uh, of goalie tandems, man, Minnesota's had a good one all season long. Minnesota facing off against Dallas. I think we all have questions about Joel Erickson Eck. Um, yeah, unbelievable that he's even a question here. It's it's. It's a it's a converse. I can't believe like when did week to week turn into ten days? Well, well here we are. Skating, with Joel like, Erickson Eck. There was yesterday. A broken bone in his leg. Like you know, like like Jano <laughs> skating today, and we were kind of expecting that. We kind of heard that it wasn't as bad as they thought. Yeah. But the Erickson Eck one, like that's the one I can't believe. Bionic man, good for yeah. him. We we it, shall see. How does this one measure measure up for you? Well, I think this is going to be the meanest first-round series. Uh, I do. Um, 
Uh, I think Toronto-Tampa could be close, but I think this one's going to be the meanest one. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm really curious about here, Jeff, is A, the goaltending. That's, that's for sure. Um, you know, um, it, it's funny. Like a couple of players were telling me they could see on Friday night when Colorado played Nashville, the Avalanche wanted no part of the Wild. Like they just were like, we're not doing that. Oh yeah. And that and that that's not that's not a shot at Seattle. It's more like they've already got an injury in Landeskog. They've got no room for another injury, and the Wild will take a piece out of you. So like I think Dallas should win. But I think it's going to be close, and I think it's going to be a mean series. All right. Uh, it all gets underway tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern. It is the Islanders and the Carolina Hurricanes. Watch okay, now I'm also hearing, I just got a text. Uh, okay. uh, I'm also hearing that Brad Tree Living uh, as, Cal- as Calgary GM. So he's resigning? He's resigning. Oh, resigning. I missed that. He is he is out as Calgary Flames. Yes. Manager. Yes. So he will not, not sign the contract extension. And Don Maloney is in. Full-time or interim? President of Hockey Operations. Oh, wow. Okay, so there's the very latest. Brad Treliving uh, will not resign with the Calgary Flames. Don Maloney in as president of hockey operations for the Calgary Flames. Um, That makes, well, listen, there's an an opening in Pittsburgh, Elliot. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. All right. We uh, if you have any more info, send it send it along, and we'll get it on the show ASAP. But that is the uh, the very latest. Brad Treliving out uh, in Calgary. Don Maloney in. Thank you for that breaking news, Freach. Okay. Take care, man. And that'll be Elliot's afternoon now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, chasing that story. Okay. So there's the latest. Brad Treliving out. Don Maloney in Calgary Flames.